Exodus 10 is our sermon text tonight. If you would turn there. Finished the climactic seventh plague two weeks ago. We saw Pharaoh's temporary repentance. Now we begin the eighth plague, but before we look at the locusts themselves, we're going to pause for a few moments on the Lord's surprising declaration in the first two verses of chapter 10. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things which I have done in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am Yahweh. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says Yahweh, God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me, or else if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory, and they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of what is left which remains to you from the hail, for they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field." They shall fill your houses, the houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go! Serve the Lord your God, but who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast to Yahweh. Then he said to them, Yahweh had better be with you, and I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so, go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon all the land of Egypt, and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail is left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night, and when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously there had been no such locusts as they nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us as we read your word to discern what you have to say to us. 
Help us to see you as the God who performs signs, whose deeds are to be recounted to our children. Help us to know that you are Yahweh. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Well, it's important to know for us to understand our text fully, the method of narration that is employed here in Exodus and throughout the Bible. The Bible doesn't repeat everything every time. And as we have God's speech to Moses uh, in verses 1 and 2, which doesn't match up in content, nothing that God says in verses 1 and 2 is what Moses then says in verses 3 through 6. Does that mean that Moses is ad-libbing it? No. Rather, God says to Moses what's in verses 1 and 2 and what's in verses 3 to 6. But the text doesn't tell us that God said it to Moses and then tell us in the next scene, then Moses went and told this to Pharaoh and repeated all. Rather, in order to cut out that repetition, the narrator just tells us words of God in verses 1 and 2 and then Moses saying from verse 3 onward, thus says the Lord and repeating the rest of the things that God had said in that speech. When we understand that, this happens all the time in these plague narratives and in the Passover narrative. When we understand that, then verse 1 is utterly baffling. Because verse 1 boils down to this. The Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say, Let my people go that they may serve me. Which Moses has been saying now eight times, seven times in a row, and this will be the eighth time. And then God explains why Moses ought to say that. Moses, here's the reason you should go say that. Say it because I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants. Now, today, you can easily meet and speak to Christians who will tell you God couldn't and wouldn't say that. God would never say, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go because I've hardened his heart so he won't do it. We can just hear Moses saying it. Lord, if you're going to harden Pharaoh's heart, there is no point in me going and telling him to let the people go. If you're intervening to frustrate yourself, if you're helping your enemies do the things you keep telling them not to do, I can't help you. I'm not going to go tell Pharaoh to let the people go when you're telling me that you're hardening his heart precisely so he won't let the people go. I won't go talk to Pharaoh unless you soften his heart. Come on, God. So might Moses say. So might any of us say. What do you mean, Lord, to say, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go because I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants? How can God say such a thing? The lesson of the text is that God's heart-hardening sovereignty empowers and enables us to evangelize our neighbors. God's goals are bigger than simply to get Israel out of Egypt. 
with the minimum of fuss and a maximum of ease and comfort. Well, as much as we would want God to say, all right, Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go, because this time I've softened his heart and he will be amenable to your demands. Imagine if Pharaoh had said that. But Pharaoh, or if God had said that, and then if Pharaoh had said, okay, yeah, you can go. What is God's goal? Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, God tells us. He gives us three reasons. The first is that he wanted to perform signs. I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants that I may show these signs of mine before him. So God's goal is not to deliver Israel with a minimum of difficulty. That's not the point. The point is something else. The first point is God wants to show his signs before Pharaoh. Right? There would have been no need for signs if the first time Moses and Aaron came in and said, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And Pharaoh says, Okay. No need to turn the serpent into a rod. No need for plagues. One through seven. No need for the death of the firstborn. No need to put Pharaoh in the great school of the power of God. None of it would have been necessary. God would not have shown off his power or shown these signs to Pharaoh if Pharaoh's heart had been soft from the beginning. So because God wanted to perform signs, he hardened the heart of Pharaoh such that Pharaoh would say, no, I will not let you go. What's the message? God is perfectly willing to use Pharaoh as a stage prop in a drama that stars God. It's ultimately about God, not Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart is hard so that God can look good. In other words, the good news of Exodus 10 here is not that God will do anything to save a soul. Not that God will move heaven and earth to give his people an easy exit from problems. The good news is that God wants us to know him and he will do what it takes to show his mighty power against evil. He empowers evil in a certain respect so that he can conquer it with greater power. I have hardened his heart so that I can show who I am. I'm a God who stands against evil. And furthermore, says God, this is how I want the children to know me. That you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt. God wants to reveal his identity, his nature, his character to Pharaoh, but also to Israel and to have Israel pass that down to their children. God cares about children knowing him. Kids love 
cool, exciting things. Things that are well outside the bounds of normalcy. So does God. That's why he created toucans and sea lions and other very crazy animals. That's also why God did these massive, amazing plagues on Pharaoh. What is God saying? When you teach your children about me, teach them the whole story. Not just the lamb. Hopefully you all know William Blake's poems, The Lamb and the Tiger, Little Lamb Who Made Thee. But then the next poem, Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright, Did He Who Made the Lamb Make Thee? God says, Yes, I made the lamb and I made the tiger. I made the kitten and I made the black hole. Teach your children both of those things. I made a wonderful, loving person. I'll think of maybe Ruth or Naomi. And I also made Pharaoh. Bloody-minded tyrant who slaughters the firstborns and keeps Israel enslaved for decades. Moses has to bring this back to his people and sell it to them as chicken soup for the enslaved Hebrew soul. God is keeping you in bondage. You're enslaved so that God can get glory over Pharaoh by fighting with him about your destiny. Meanwhile, you make bricks without straw, own no property, get lashed by the slave driver every day, and have your sons murdered, But God is doing it for the most important thing, his own glory. That's the message that Moses had to bring. There's no wonder that the people were not very pleased with him. The message is God is going to deliver you, but the message is not God is going to deliver you in a quick, easy, casualty-free fashion. And thus God says, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, because I've hardened his heart. And I want you to tell your children this, that when somebody gives himself over to sin like Pharaoh, I harden his heart and show my power in ruining and destroying his life and the things he controls. If you can't believe this, you can't be a Christian, at least not for long, because the hard stuff of life will come your way. And then you'll realize, God is not all about my comfort and convenience. That's not the reason that he saved me. That's not the goal of the Christian life, is to have a more convenient, easier life than a non-believer has. God hardened Pharaoh's heart and in so doing prolonged the agony of his people in bondage. God continues to let tyrants tyrannize over his church. I mentioned Xi Jinping and Narendra Modi in the prayer tonight. Those men are in power over a huge fraction of the world's Christian people. And God continues to let them be in power 
And in fact, right, both rule with enviable majorities of popular support. Things that no American president in the last 35 years has had. Wouldn't the good God never give anyone the strength to do evil? That's how we would like to conceive of it, but the text tells us something totally different. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go because I've hardened his heart. That hardening of Pharaoh comes with Moses visiting regularly and saying, Pharaoh, repent. Start to do the right thing. Now that call to repentance is a means that would ordinarily soften somebody, would ordinarily contribute toward their salvation, but in Pharaoh's case it contributes to his damnation because Moses is coming and with great power saying, God is real. God is here. God is against your sin. And Pharaoh can't deny it. Pharaoh doesn't even try to argue with it. right? He clearly speaks in terms of Yahweh being a real force in the world. Verse 16, right? I have sinned against Yahweh your God. Go and treat Yahweh your God that he might take away from me this death. Pharaoh believes that God is in charge of the world. There's no doubt in his mind about that. And yet, he continues to plunge ahead in his sin. His heart is hardened so that God can show signs and so that God's people can disciple their children with This is how God handles wicked people. This is how God treats tyrants. This is how God confronts and subdues evil people. So God doesn't tell people to do evil. That's not who he is. But he does give them the energy and the tools they need. To say a good God would never give somebody power to do evil is like saying a good God would never allow the dirt to support an evil person walking across it to do evil. Well, actually, he does. God has chosen to give us the freedom to stand against him. He even punishes our sin with more sin, as we've seen. Responds to our heart-hardening by giving us more resolution, more backbone to stand up against him. Why does he do that? Well, he tells us, because I'm Yahweh. When you see these signs, when you see Pharaoh enrolled in the great school of the power of God, when you see the plagues, you will know that I am the Lord. This is a good rebuke, certainly to me as a pragmatist. Many times I have said, nope, won't tell them to shape up, won't do any good. God blows that away with one giant 16-inch shell right here. Moses can't say, God, you're telling me that if I go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, it won't do any good, therefore I won't do it. Because the good that's being done is not necessarily the good of Pharaoh shaping up. The good that's being done is the good of God being glorified. Even through this means that 
Yes, from a pragmatic point of view, Moses is stupid to keep confronting Pharaoh. It's obvious that these plagues are not going to work. It's obvious that Pharaoh's heart is hard. The point is to glorify God, not necessarily to get the evildoer to shape up. We rebuke sin sometimes, as Moses did, not because we think the evildoer will stop, but so that God can be known as the one who stands against sin. The whole point of Exodus is the knowledge of God. That's what this book is about. Genesis is the book of election, God calling a particular family to be the ones through whom he saves the world. Exodus is about who God is in delivering his people and then who God is when they meet with him in the tabernacle. So only the first 12 chapters deal with leaving Egypt. Well, the first 15 chapters. The rest is laws and regulations for Israel's life and instructions on how to build the tabernacle. It shows us who God is. This little command of Moses, go to Pharaoh because I've hardened his heart, shows us something crucial about God. He's not a pragmatist in the sense of only trying to do things the most efficient, effective, easiest way possible. His goal is to reveal himself and glorify himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you glorified yourself by hardening Pharaoh's heart. Lord, we pray for your grace and mercy on us tonight. Please soften our hearts, Father. Don't let us be hardened in heart. Don't let us be proud and self-serving. But instead, pour your grace on us that will change our hearts, soften them, make them fit and ready to surrender to you and submit to you in obedience, faith, and love. Lord, give us the grace to not think that the point is always to make the evildoers shape up. Help us to realize that the broader point is to glorify you, to reveal you. Help us to teach our children who you really are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.